I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. Joining me this morning is author and director of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at Fordham University, uh, William F. Baker, Ph.D. His new book is Organizations for People, Caring Cultures, Basic Needs, and Better Lives. For many years, there's been quite a bit of talk about employee engagement as a means to lift corporate profits and reduce absenteeism and turnover. However, this talk has not produced better companies. In fact, the evidence shows that incivility and instances of employee abuse are getting worse. William F. Baker turns that equation around by examining the practices of 21 companies all of whom have appeared on one of several of the best companies to work for lists, who put the interests and needs of employees first. For 10 years, he's taught a business class at the Juilliard School in New York City, is the Distinguished Professor of Media and Entertainment at IESE Business School in Barcelona, and is President Emeritus of WNET 13, New York's public television station. Welcome to the show, Bill. Nice to have you here today. Thank you, Catherine. Good to be here. Well, as I understand this, your new book, you and your co-author have a mission in writing this book, a very specific mission. So first of all, what is that mission and as why is it so important, as I said in the opening, that we change the way organizations do business and are managed? Well, our mission is a simple one, and that is kindness. Uh, remember Mr. Rogers? Uh, yes, it's all about yes. kindness. And the reason our mission is about kindness is first, it's the right thing to do in life. But second, uh, if you're running a business or a family or anything else, kind people actually succeed. They actually succeed better than the other kind. And, uh, and we started uh, about 10 years ago with a book called Leading with Kindness. And we, uh, you know, tried to, uh, you know, tried to get some, uh, uh, some food in the, uh, you know, food in the mouths of people and get them thinking about this subject. It came at really a bad time. That was 2008. And, uh, and we've been working on that ever since. However, a lot of people have picked that up and started talking about it. But what we've found is, is that a lot of people just aren't doing it yet. Uh, there's some interesting statistics. For example, 36% of the employees in America say that they have dysfunctional managers. Dysfunctional is a big word. <laughs> and 75% of the workers say that their boss is the most stressful part of their job. And there was a recent study in the last month in Canada that found that two out of five professionals have quit a job because of a bad boss. And it's interesting, though, that when researchers look at uh, um, uh Various kinds of categories, like what are the what are the qualities that you would like in, say, a close friend or a romantic partner, or a boss or an employee, and they were given a list of words. Uh, I think there were a list of thirty-four words, thirty-four personal characteristics or personal qualities, and and number one in all of those categories from work to a social partner to a romantic partner to a friend to a member of a family is kindness. Uh, 
But Bill, so, I have to interrupt um, you. I want to interrupt you there because it seems to me, and you're talking about 2008 uh, when you started talking about kindness and kindness in organizations, and and now you're saying we all want to be kind to one another. But it's we have taken. It seems a downward spiral in all of these areas, whether it has to do with divorce or, as you say, organizations, but people are more afraid of their bosses than ever. And then look at the mm-hmm. overall corporate culture. I'm thinking I can't help but think as you're talking about our uh, the head of our corporation, America Today. Look where we are. How do you put how does that all fit together? It seems like we're going in the wrong direction, not the right direction. Or the yeah, we certainly are direction. going in the yeah. wrong direction, and I and I and I think there may be a bunch of reasons. I honestly don't know, uh, I don't, uh, except that one. I think we can blame ourselves, those of us in the media, that it has been pretty easy to do movies, uh, swimming with the sharks and uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or uh, television shows, The Apprentice, that. You know, show a kind of anger and tough, you know, tough killer boss style uh, because it's easy and it's entertaining. However, all of the research and uh, my my co-author is an industrial psychologist, uh, Ph.D. I'm a Ph.D. in organizational behavior and communications. I can tell you, we've seen basically all of the research in the field and all of the research says being a killer does not work. I'll correct that. It works only for a short time. Over the long haul, over the long haul, being a killer boss never works. So, um, so at any rate, a lot of people are under such pressure these days and in this society and maybe even in their homes and in their own life, they do what is um, immediate. They say, "I gotta, I gotta get this done." So I'm just going to, I'm just going to step on this person, and rather than play for the long haul and say, "Look, uh, nobody wants to work in a place where there's evil everywhere." They want to work for people they can respect and uh, and and want to be like them. So um, so I think that's one of the main problems is just the pressure of the times, uh, and also people just aren't thinking. But what we tried to do this time with this uh, this new book of ours, published by Stanford University Press, which is a you know a substantial uh, intellectual organization to say the least, um, this. Our book called Organizations for People. Uh, what we tried to do is say, we've given you the theory in our previous books, but now how about showing examples? And we pick out tw- uh, 21 companies, um, all you know, uh, most of them private, but sizable. There are none of them smaller, I don't think, than 50 million dollars in sales a year, and. Um, where kindness is the operating goal. And these companies are all phenomenally successful, phenomenally successful. Successful, thriving, and I assume have been thriving for obviously a long period of time because uh, yeah, having that kind of a reputation. Okay, let's talk about those companies. Is there a number one company? Is there some that that you've studied that's in the book, one of these organizations? Or are they all pretty much on the same level? Or start with one anyway. Well, first, in, in the in the case of the book, there are various companies. They're all in different industries. Uh, all of them are for-profit companies. 
Uh, we didn't, you know, pick not-for-profits except one. Uh, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. Uh, and all of them are in, in kind of everything, including manufacturing, for example. And a lot of them are companies that you've never heard of, that you've just never heard of them, even though they're substantial and, um, and you know, uh, 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 gaming uh, co- companies that make video games, companies that, uh, for example, uh, uh, Insomniac Games Company, uh, companies that are, are counselors in, uh, in in corporate America, uh, a company called Health Catalyst, a company uh, called big ass fans have you ever seen have uh, as a midwestern company have you ever seen those huge fans that are like 50 feet in diameter or maybe even bigger maybe 150 feet they're in air, airplane hangars and huge public buildings that they're for the most part made by a company called big ass fans and they really treat their people right a company that almost everybody's heard of uh, is um, is patagonia Patagonia has an operating philosophy that was created by the CEO where they just take care of their people. They just take care of their people. And uh, how did you pick out these people? I want to, what, I mean, how do you, because you say some obviously we most of us, I would say, have heard of Patagonia, but Mm -hmm. not big ass fans. So how did you decide which ones you were going to choose? I mean, you've got 21 companies here. There are, Lots of them, obviously, ones we've heard of, ones we haven't. But what mm-hmm. was the criteria? Well, the criteria had to be that they had a reputation of being kind to their workforce. They had to be successful businesses. They had to uh, be, uh, we wanted a wide range of companies, so we didn't want everybody in, say, media or something like that. Uh, matter of fact, there are no companies in the media that we picked. Um, and, uh, and we wanted to show that it was possible to do things even in manufacturing, you know, where traditionally manufacturing has been, uh, you know, kind of a tough business on people, kind of a hard. We wanted to show that you can make things and be really nice to people and they really deliver for you uh, when, you, when, you are, when you are nice to people. I had mentioned that there's one not-for-profit, and that not-for-profit, we didn't highlight the company so much as we highlighted the person. And the person uh, who wrote the foreword to the book is a woman by the name of Rachel Moore. Now, that name might not mean much to you, but let me tell you about Rachel. Rachel is a, a former ballet dancer, grew up in California, uh, was really quite good, so good that uh, Scout found her and invited her to come to New York when she was, I think, 15 to uh, uh, work at the uh, American Ballet Theater. Uh, Her parents were (laughs) very smart, and they said, no, you're not going to go to New York when you're 15. You're going to finish high school. Well, of course, she thought the world had come to an end, Uh, but she did. And then when she did finish high school, uh, they still wanted her, and she did go to New York. Um, she was in the ballet company, uh, including the un- being the union steward and everything else for, oh, I don't know, uh, probably six or seven years, and then she broke her ankle. She broke her ankle, and she was 25 years old with no college education. So then she went to, um, the, she tried to get in, she just couldn't keep dancing, of course, 
Then uh, she tried, although she tried, she had the ankle repaired and everything, but just, just was never at the power she was originally. So uh, she was totally destroyed. Uh, uh, had a hard time getting into college because then nobody really wanted a, a 25-year-old as a freshman. But she got into Brown University, a very distinguished school. Uh, I think she got in on a scholarship. Then after Brown, she went to um, uh, Columbia Business School or Harvard Business School. I can't remember which. Um, again, top student. She's supremely smart. And uh, then did some uh, ran a few ballet companies in uh, in the East, and then a small ones, and then wound up going back to the American Ballet Theater as the general manager. So she then was the head of the American Ballet Theater back in New York at Lincoln Center for I don't know five or ten years, and now recently, um, meaning in the last three or four years. Uh, has been made a president CEO of the Music Center of Los Angeles, which is the third biggest performing arts center in America. They have five huge theaters, including the Disney Theater, the Symphony plays there. It is a big operation. She has 2,000 employees. And, um, and she's one of the finest managers, in my view, in America. And how does she manage? She manages with kindness and respect. By the way, Kindness doesn't mean. Go ahead. You want to say something? Well, I was going to say she. she, Yeah, uh, she leads with kindness and respect, and obviously, as a woman, any differences would your expectation be because she's a woman? She would be tend more to lead with kindness and respect as opposed to, let's say, men. And I don't know what the ratio of male to female was in terms of the leaders of these companies. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit, but. and also, she's in a field. I don't. Uh, maybe you can talk about this too. Uh, you know, the arts, obviously, ballet, theater. I also would, and maybe this is my bias. Think of those who are running those kinds of companies would be would tend more to lead with kindness and respect. People of creative. I mean, maybe this is stereotype. You know, it's stereo. Maybe stereotypic, but um, I don't know if, if any of that came into play in terms of your. Um, expectations for her? Um, no. <laughs> let, <laughs> okay. me, uh, let, let me let me uh, answer no, a few right? of the All right. <laughs> Let me say okay. answer a few of the things that you uh, brought up. One is okay. virtually all of the companies, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, in this case, uh, in our book, are run by males. Uh, it just happened to be that way, uh, mostly because, of course. Most of the companies in America are run by males. That's just the circuit. That's just the So you can be a male and be a very kind boss. And again, uh, where I started, I want to, and then I'll go back to Rachel in a second. Uh, Where I started, when we talk about kind, we don't mean a doormat. We don't mean a pushover. We don't mean somebody who, oh, yeah, let's go in and see Rachel because she's nice. She'll let us do whatever we want. No. These are people that sometimes you don't even like this person, uh, you know, in the sense of, oh, I want him or her to be my best friend. But you do like them in the sense of these are people I can respect. Uh, These are people that are authentic. So if they say something, we know we can trust it. We know we can believe them. We know that they are people of personal integrity and ability. 
So, um, so that's what we mean by kind. We have to be very careful when we define kindness that it's not just a sweet person like Fred Rogers, that it's a person that has high goals, that also is a person that might fire you if you don't deliver or you don't show the same respect for others that uh, that uh, that the the that this uh, leader demands. Uh, now, in Rachel's case, it happens when you'd said, well, you know, of course, a woman uh, in the arts, they tend to be kind of nicer and all that. Well, that's exactly the opposite. You know, think about what women have gone through in ballet companies. One, they're usually led by men. Two, the, they're signs of huge abuse uh, and anger and arrogance and uh, and that's up and down the line often in arts itself uh, you know even the story of what happened in the Bolshoi Ballet one of the most famous in the world in Russia one of they were uh, you know the number of the people were so abused that one of the dancers threw uh, acid in the face of the of the of the uh, director, uh, so it's uh, you know it, it is not an easy life, and it is not a life without terrible uh, anger and abuse. Uh, so uh, so it's ex- almost exactly the opposite of what you thought. Um, now to answer your uh, uh, a question that is uh, that may, some might think of as sexist. But I've said the same thing. Often I think women are better bosses because I think there's an inclination, uh, maybe it's uh, the maternal instincts or whatever, to be a, a kinder person. But, but often what happens with women is when they, when they become leaders is they don't, you know, there's so few good examples. There's so few examples. So what do they do? They watch TV. They see the movies. All this is kind of ingrained. I mean, they don't do it to say, I want to be the boss. Now I'll watch a movie. But they grew up with all this, and they, they thought, well, if you're the boss now, you've got to be tough. You know, you've got to be decisive, and you have to be a killer. Well, that's exactly the wrong thing. Um, but in Rachel's case, she's so authentic, she is what she is. And she uh, is a strong leader with very, very high standards, but she also cares so much about her people, thousands of them, that she makes sure that they are taken care of. And also, if uh, they are not, in other words, she doesn't manage directly 2,000 people, but um, she makes sure her managers not only accomplish their, their goals and objectives, but one of the goals and objectives is how do you accomplish this if you accomplish what your goal and objective was but you were a killer and you beat the heck out of your people that doesn't count that doesn't count so at any rate um it's it's pretty interesting and it's a complicated subject but as i say one that has been highly researched not only by us but by hundreds of industrial psychologists and uh, academic researchers all over the world and pretty much pretty much all of the research says that if you're good to people if you're if you um, are uh, respected uh, if they respect you that you're going to for in the long haul be very successful by the way you also have to be competent (laughs) you have to be competent that's Right, that's a given in the business, whatever that business is. So, in other words, you're saying mm-hmm. if you a kindness somewhat equated with 
value. If you value your employees, then they also value you, and everybody mm-hmm. wants to do good work. And, and that mm-hmm. re- reflects uh, the success, I guess, of the business. Okay, now we've spoken of Rachel, but let's take one, because the rest of them were all men, uh, but, but very different kinds of businesses, because you, you, you talk about the manufacturing is thought of often as that macho kind of business, but not necessarily. That's not how you have to govern. Uh, but pick one of the industries. Let's you know maybe pick a couple that are very different uh, of these 21 organizations to talk about. Yeah, Michael is uh, Michael O'Malley, uh, Dr. Michael O'Malley, our co-author, is really the expert because he physically uh, went to all of these places and uh, studied them uh, on site. So I, what I don't want to do is, is uh, put words in his mouth or put observations uh, down that may not be fully accurate, uh, you know, except to say that I, I know that some of these companies that, that uh, Michael personally went and studied and uh, stood with were places that all had people who were leading them, who first put their employees first, you know, cared about these people, and, uh, and the people there knew it. And they were also very selective about who they hired. Um, one of the things that we talk about in in our in our book is um, don't tolerate the unruly. There's no room for that in a company. And if you find that you have mistakenly hired a bad apple, get that bad apple out as fast as possible. By the way, a kind boss is never afraid to let somebody go if they're not delivering or if they don't fit in. And there's also a Chinese word called mo, meaning kind of rubbing against something. And it's the way in kind companies that people feel that interact with one another. They're not rubbing physically against one another, but they're rubbing emotionally against one another, where there's this sense of, hey, this is my fellow worker, uh, and my fellow worker is not all that simple. You know, he or she, for example, at, at it was interesting, at Patagonia, there was this woman who was in one of the departments there, the clothing design or something, was sewing and all, happened to love uh, birds, happened to love birds and know a lot about them. And on her way to work one day, she found a, a, uh, a bird that had a broken wing, and she brought it to work and took care of it at her desk at Patagonia. And then later people brought her other birds. She had four or five birds under her desk at Patagonia. The company let her do that. And then she started a, uh, later started a, uh, a bird, uh, I don't know what the right term is, but a, you know, a place that took care of, a not-for-profit that took care of birds. So that's what she does in the evening. And during the day, she uh, massages birds <laughs> at, her, at her desk, but she still gets her job done. People love it. People love it, and the other employees help. At, at Patagonia, for example, they'll, they'll let people in the middle of the day go out surfing as long as they get their job done. They have to come back. They may have to work later. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of place where people come to work, for the most part, uh, that no, nothing is perfect with a smile. 
Uh, yeah. so, and looking um, forward to it, that kindness prevails. But there's other things, I guess, that emanate from the kindness is what you're saying, like Patagonia. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and also just think about the people you work with, Catherine. I mean, they're, they're not just people fitting into a, a, a pigeonhole, you know, they're, they, you know, they're complex people. They, you know, they might be gifted singers. They might, they might have, they might be a mother with a sick child. They may be uh, a father with a sick mother, you know, all kinds of things. People are, are not simple and people come to work and they interact with you having a whole, a whole list of things that are beyond the job. You have to be sensitive to all of those things. And very often, some of those things are things that help them do even better at work. Organizations for people. I mean, obviously, that's the key word. I was going to ask you, we only have three minutes left. I don't know if I should ask you this now, but what they, in studying these organizations that, that practice kindness, what the 180 from those organizations would be, because you must have as you're doing research, come across ones that are exactly the opposite. And are they, and, and what are the ramifications of that? Are they, well, that's it. Well, I think you can guess what some of them are, and I'm yeah. not going to advertise them. And okay. also, I don't want to get sued. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but I can tell you that there are an awful lot that are uh, on the other side. And what is happening, too, now, especially with the millennial workforce, is uh, these companies are losing their people. These, these companies, I mean, if you are running a, a company, it could be a, a, a small one like the kind that, that you're running, uh, you've got probably one or two people that work for you that are everything that if you lost one of them, it would be very, very serious loss. And, uh, on the, but if, if they're not treated right, they're going to be the first to go. They're going to go right away. Your most valuable people will just exit. Certainly that's the case with millennials and, uh, and, uh, and knowledge workers. We tried to show that even non-knowledge workers, even, even people doing, in a sense, menial tasks, the better you treat them, uh, the better their work will turn out. So uh, uh, America is loaded with, uh, with companies that have watched the wrong TV shows and the wrong movies and, uh, and, uh, and, and have had a history of abuse that goes back maybe a century or so. Um, that, we think, will start changing because it's going to have to because unless especially in knowledge work kinds of things. The very best people will be disappearing. And uh, and you see so now I have to how... I have to interrupt you. We have like a minute left, and I want to make sure that people have a website that they can go to from, or tell us where we can buy the book online, Amazon, bookstores everywhere, and or a website for more information about you or the book, Organizations for People, William F. Baker. Yes, I think the best website probably to go to is uh, SUP, Stanford University Press, dot org, and just look up the book, uh, Organizations for People, or type in my name, William Baker, and there it is, and there's an explanation and some examples and a, I think a piece of the first chapter. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Really enjoyed talking to you. Likewise, Catherine. Thank, thank you. you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 